Welcome to Off the Deck. I'm your host, Steve Carrera, and each episode I sit down with a member of the water polo community to speak with them about what helped make them successful in the world of water polo. In this episode, I sat down with Gavin Arroyo, the head men's and women's water polo coach at Long Beach State University and the assistant men's national team coach. If you enjoy the episode, do me a favor, leave a five-star review or share it with your friends. And if you want to support the show, you can go to offthedeckpodcast.com and donate to the program. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, thank you for joining me in another episode of Off the Deck. I am on the phone currently with the head coach at Long Beach State and the assistant coach for the men's senior national team, Gavin Arroyo. Uh, Gavin, thank you so much for being on the program. Yeah, thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I know you're super busy and kind of in the middle of a bunch of things going on in your life right now uh, with women's season and obviously recruiting, always recruiting. And then, um, you know, we're in Olympic year, so I uh, don't want to take up too much of your time. But I, I wanted to start off really how I start with uh, all of my guests, which is how did you get involved first with the sport of water polo? And then, you know, how did that evolve into coaching? Um, I started pretty young, um, you know, uh, grew up, um, in the Orangeville park area where, you know, Olu is, I'm thinking familiar with that area. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I started over as a swimmer at SoCal and, you know, back in the day, I guess they just kind of started doing some club water polo, um, back when SoCal started. So I did a little bit of 10 and under, but, but it was only like three months out of the year, like two nights a week. Yeah. Um, I think there was a JOs, I don't know, um like it is today um but my mom was a swimmer um and she kind of wanted to chase where the larson's larson family was i don't know if you're familiar with the greg gary lance yeah larson there yeah absolutely Uh, so she yeah so she swam with him and he went to the 60 olympics and um so um you know that swimming uh idea was definitely in my upbringing um so that's how i got into swimming and then uh water polo just kind of grew organically I swam, I think, a little bit longer than, than most people, uh, most water polo players did. Um, but that's originally how I kind of got into the flow. So, Yeah, and so <clears throat> you went to Villa Park High School, and you're, I mean, I, I remember as a high school student seeing your name on that wall uh, every single time I got to the <laughs> pool. Um, and so, like, what was your experience in high school and then how it evolved into you know, that turned into Cal and then that turned into the Olympic games. And I mean, when did you get a sense that, okay, this is a sport I was meant to play. Uh, when did that sort of happen for you? If you remember? Yeah. I mean, I was, I mean, I was fortunate, I think to start with the swimming and I had some great swim coaches, uh, growing up. And I think they just kind of really taught me just the mentality of, you know, you're racing every day of, you know, if this guy or girl's beating you, then you, I don't care if you're tired. I don't care what you did before you got in the pool. But once we, once you got in the pool, if you're losing to this person, then you're, you know, then you're, uh, then you're, then you're step off or they're gaining ground on you. And then, I mean, I think that definitely that, that those themes definitely stayed with me through my high school career. You know, Jeff Ehrlich, he was, uh, he was a great uh, motivator and um, with creating a standard of competition every day. And I think anyone that grew up in that area at that time, you know, Janet Evans kind of era, I mean, swimming the Mission View and Atadors, that whole, it was a great time for U.S. swimming and, um, and USA Waterfall was just kind of, 
I think starting to starting its growth the way it is now. But I just it, the age group levels wasn't U.S. swimming was way far ahead of USA water polo at that yeah. point. Um, you know, when I was growing up, and then um, you know, then in high school, we had we had great teams. The swimming culture and water polo culture at Villa Park in the late '80s, early '90s. Um, you know, it was pretty high level. Um, it's just day-to-day competition, guys going after each other. It was just just a breeding culture of competition. And, um, you know, the, the foothills and the CDMs and the Villa Parks, Newport Harbors back in those days were, were um, you know, the top, the top teams. Yeah. And so you end up at Cal in the 90s. So we're talking yeah. early 90s, right? Um, yes. Yeah. And so you kind of go into the, and, and I'm kind of speaking for you, so just correct me when, if, if I'm wrong, but you kind of going yeah. into this environment, um, Cal is sort of at the top of their game uh, in terms of water polo programs. And yeah. you're bringing in that mentality, I guess, that you're talking about in terms of competing on a daily basis. Did you see the growth in your like water polo career, like take off right away or... Uh, I would imagine that there were some struggles there, but I'm I'm trying to connect how you use that experience um, with how you coach today. I mean, I'm sure there's some people who come in that you know that have potential and you're trying to pull that potential out of them. Did you see that in yourself? Like, I'm struggling, but I got to push through. Uh, I mean, I think it was definitely a little bit different. I mean, people always complain nowadays about, um, you know, talent vacuum from the Pac-12s. I think it was even worse back then um there were 50 freshmen in my freshman class at cal oh my gosh um, and they had just lost in 89 um and, and they to uci uh for NCAA finals um so i yeah i mean we, we guys guys were getting cut or quitting that actually played on the junior team um i mean it was it was so cutthroat going into that thing that if you didn't um if you didn't show up and then and you weren't playing or you weren't traveling and so myself and another guy, we played our freshman year, and there were 48 red shirts. So, <laughs> oh, my uh, gosh. That's insane. Yeah. And, you know, I had I had a swing background. I, I just came off breaking the CIF record of 100 free um, and planning on – I went to Cal so I could swim and play water polo. And um, so the first day we had a 1,500 for time um, that Steve Houston just kind of threw up there. And um, I, I decided this is my chance. You know, this is my, this is my wheelhouse. I'm the swimmer here. And, you know, I blasted like a fourteen fifty one, you know, first day out. So I yeah. think that you, there's there's times in your life where you get your chance and and you gotta, you know, you gotta show up on those on those opportunities. So I think from that day, I was kind of shoved into this group, and you know, other people shoved in other groups. So. Yeah, you just made um, the most of your opportunity, basically. Yeah, and then you know, you know, back then there was Cal used to bring in, you know, we don't, we don't have the number limits that we have today on, and there were, there were tons of guys from the Valley, the, you know, the Mike Felsteads and, uh, you know, these big dudes from the Valley that were, that you're this little punk from Orange County thinking you're going to come in and, you know, do something. And they, they, uh, you know, the Dotons of the world, they let yeah. you know that you were, you were going to have to fight to, uh, to survive. So they were, they were pretty heavy and, and they used to kick our, kick our butts and yeah. just, at, uh, you know, made it better. So, <laughs> and so as your, um, you know, obviously your career, you, you win three national championships at Cal. Um, and I will, yeah. we'll kind of touch on that, uh, later on, but 
you know, that projects you into the Olympic games. Um, and, and I mean, there, there are certain kind of bouncing around here, but you go from, and I'm kind of so also summarizing for the audience, like your career, you know, you're going from Villa Park high school to Cal to the Olympic games to net then playing professional, which is what a lot of people are trying to do nowadays. There's a lot more opportunities. It seems like to play professional. Um, so you've seen the game evolve a lot over the course of the last, you know, 20, 30 years. Is there something, right. you know, what do you feel about the state of, you know, high school water polo now, club water polo, college water polo? Um, do you see any like things that you think are great? Some things that are negative. I mean, I know you have a daughter who's also playing, starting to play now. Um, yeah. So you kind of see a, all these different sides. What's your feeling about the state of water polo now? Um, I mean, I think the, the, just the pool is so much bigger. I think there's so many more kids playing the growth, the past, um, you know, especially six, seven years. And with Texas getting it is, is, is been huge. So I think with a bigger talent pool that more kids are playing, I think the kids are just more athletic. I mean, for as much as, you know, as older guys like to say, you know, oh, I was so good and this and that. And you, I'm looking at the guy on the team. I mean, they're they're specimens of athletes, you know, and they're young. Um, so going back to what high school, and I think the the, the level's a lot higher. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I, I think that's obviously a great thing for us as a country. I think if you look at what uh, you know Nikola Melezinov and those guys did with the cadets, I mean, they're we're beating Serbia in Serbia at age 15. Yeah. I mean, that's unheard of. Yeah. That's unheard of back in uh, you know in our day. Um, to, to be that close. So at a, such a young age, we usually catch up, you know, from the 22, 24, 26 um, area, but from 15 to 19, the, the euros are, uh, you know, usually pretty far ahead just systemically. So the way things are going, um, that says a lot about our, our domestic internal structure um, at the high school level for these kids to, for us to be churning out kids like that, you know, so. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're, you've been in a unique situation now at Long Beach State. How long have you been at Long Beach now? Uh, 14 years. Okay. 14 years. And so (laughs) before that you were, you were assistant at Cal, I think for, what was it a year or two? And then you took the head coach at Long Beach. Um, so you've seen the, even the like evolution of collegiate water polo. Now, um, you breaking off into a different conference, the GCC having more opportunities. I think it was, was it last year or the year before you guys won conference this year, you guys were right there knocking on the door. Um, so how, how do you think that's helped or hurt water polo? Um, like from the collegiate standpoint, um, I mean, I think parity is going to ebb and flow. I mean, I think, I think we tend to, as a society, kind of just look at every year like this team's good or this team's bad. Or I think, I think uh, you know the Pac-12s were pretty young this year for the most part. Yeah. Um, and so I think if if you know the GCC schools are on an upswing and um, and the Pac-12s are on a young year, then I think you're going to see a lot of parity like you did this last year. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be a little bit more cyclical for us. Um, I think we I think we do have to coach up our players a little bit more um, to be able to compete. 
but in terms of good, bad, I think it's obviously it's parity is a great thing for our sport in general. Um, but the underlying challenge we have is, is getting we got to add more schools and we got to add them um, from a marketing standpoint. We need to add them at um, Division One football schools. Yeah, um, easier yeah. said than done. I mean, we've been talking this forever, and we all know it's it's a it's a money thing, and uh, you know maybe some Title Nine thing. Um, but in terms of how it's going there's more teams playing et cetera, et cetera. We, we gotta for it to really get to where we want it to be um we gotta still keep chasing those you know those, those big name schools yeah do, do you think and i mean not gonna hold you to this prediction but do you think you know uop was in the final this last year um you know you guys made a really strong run had a lot of talented players over the last you know three or four years and even before that but in particular these last you know two or three years that I could recall um do you think this decade is the decade where you know one of those GCC schools you know obviously you're hoping it's Long Beach wins that national championship you think that this is this could be it I mean that's always the goal um and I think it's going to, I mean, our volleyball team just won two years in a row. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah. Got, it takes, he got three really good recruits and he was able to, you know, convince those guys to, to try Long Beach. And they all decided that, that, yeah, I'm going to come play for this coach. And that was enough. Yeah. Um, it just takes that kind of one. And it's just timing on it. You can't, okay. You can get one really good recruit. And then if you don't get two or three other guys in that same kind of basket with them, you know, then you kind of, then that's your, that's your shot. You know, UOP had that, that pretty special group this year. And, you know, we had that special group in 2014 and, um, you know, UOP had that group with, uh, you know, Goron and, and Erdely and, and, you know, last time they were in the finals. So, yeah. Um, I think it's about just doing the best with the resources that you have and, uh, and really focus on trying to be more timing instead of just, um, well, this is going to fall in my lap every year. Yeah. This is what, well, and I mean, you're, you're obviously, you're, you know, you're traveling with the national team, you're getting to see all these new sort of um, different styles of coaching. And I would assume just being a student of the game that you're applying a lot of these yeah. different techniques to your team. So in some ways, you know, you, you have quite a draw to be able to say to recruits like, hey, look, like I'm on the cutting edge of what's happening, not just here, but in the United States, but possibly in other parts of the, of the world that, that has to be appealing to recruits who are kind of like deciding on what, what their priorities are or what they want to do. Um, I would assume that's something that you're, and I mean, without giving any secret recruiting secrets, but I would assume that's part of why you're doing what you're doing. I mean, yeah, that's part of the spiel. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I mean, no, I mean, I'm, obviously I, I feel very fortunate to be doing what I'm doing right now with, with the men's team. And, um, but you know, I, I was a teammate with Dan Savage who coaches for Serbia. I was teammates with David Martin who coaches in Spain, teammates with Vlachos set in Greece. And, um, also with Harris Pavlidis who coaches for the women. And so it's like, it's, this community is pretty small, but I, you know, being over in Europe for eight years, like I know these guys, I know their, their coaching tree. I know, where their information is coming from, how they apply it, how they prioritize which tactics and mm-hmm. which fundamentals, and and it doesn't hasn't changed that much. I think it's just more of okay, well, you're gonna you're using this a little bit more than that, and, and a little bit less of that, and 
Um, so for whatever philosophy or type of game we're going to focus on, it is definitely evolving, but it, it's more of it's more of prioritizing, I think, on on time spent in in training as opposed to you know what you're going to do in your tactics. You know. Yeah, so, and I think when you couple that with what you said earlier about you know, the players just being more athletic and more athletic people coming into the sport at an earlier age, it, it breeds right. creativity, right? I mean, I'm sure you're, when you're traveling, you know, even at the NC2A level, but, you know, when you're traveling overseas, I'm sure you're seeing things from players that's just mind-blowing at some point, you know, from our USA team, our young, you know, really talented core, but also from around the world. It's, it's got to be pretty eye-opening. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's really interesting to see where the game's coming, you know, or where it's going. And, you know, I talked to the Serbian coach a couple years back, and, you know, he'd say, well, this team's playing the old water polo, and this team, you know, just kind of a breakdown of, you know, because if you watch the Serbs the way they play now, you wouldn't, you, we're used to, oh, they're stagnant, they don't drive, they're boring, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, they're actually doing more isolation, and they're doing more. They got, the, they got, his thing is, they, we got the horses to go one-on-one, so let's try to go one-on-one yeah. instead of, um, this methodical, um, and when you can't anymore with the, the way the shot clock is, I mean, you can be a little methodical, but, um, you know, it's more of a, well, we're going to, we're going to try this way because this is what I feel our assets are. And so people are kind of catering their, their style. And it's not all that different. It's funny because people always say, well, the Spanish play like this and the Serbians play like this. And everyone was like, well, you know what? The Spanish played pretty similar to them and they're actually you know, attack is on without uh, doing anything crazy. And, um, you know, it's pretty much it's all the same, it's just little hybrids of this and that that uh, people are, are putting together moving forward. So, yeah. um, so but no, it's, it's going to be part of it. Yeah, no, I mean, so you're you're on the national team staff, and, and I'm sorry if that I don't remember this, but were you on the staff for the last Olympics? I, I don't think... No, you weren't. Okay, so no. you sort of joined the staff after the the Rio Olympics, and I mean, I know you've been. I mean, I've seen you whenever I go watch. I've seen you, you know. So you've been there for this almost this whole, you know, four years here. How did yeah. that come about? You know, what sort of drew you to that? And um, you know, like, what is it like now being uh, a coach as opposed to the player at that Olympic level? Um, I, well, I guess I'll start with the first question is I, you know, Dan, when he first came in, um, he had me helping out with doing the cadets. So I did the cadets for a couple of years. Um, and then I had, uh, junior worlds, uh, about this last time, the time before, and then doing a lot with ODP, um, doing a lot of traveling the country and, and hitting as many places as I could. I mean, I think my, my strengths lie in, um, breaking things down and more of a fundamentals type of approach. And so I think that was pretty important. Like being able to do those things and getting around uh, the country, I think, um, you know, after Rio, uh, there was a spot open. So, um, you know, I talked to Dan a couple of times and, and he eventually uh, said, okay, why don't you, why don't you come on board? And, yeah. and that was kind of that uh, journey. Um, but then as, you know, as a, once player now, I mean, in Europe, most of the guys who are coaching, you know, play at that level or um, close to that level. Um, and I think I think the good thing about playing at that level and now coaching it is you take away the um, kind of like, 
the awe of the Olympian. You know, you take away the awe of the talent. I mean, I'm, I'm like anyone else. If I see some guys ripping on my A, that you know, I, I can rip, and that guy's pretty good. And but I'm, I'm less of a fan and more of a hey, what's what's my true job here? What's what's my what's my value here? Is my job my, my dream's done? So yeah. now I have to do everything I can to give these guys every bit of tool or information or knowledge that I learned through my time in the, in the hole, you know, um, and it, it's easy, it's easy to get, uh, I don't have issues of, Oh, well I could have made it, but I didn't. And so I, I don't, I don't harbor any of that toward our current athletes. I, I truly feel that my job is to, Hey, this is your guys' time. And if I can help you any way I can, let me know. Um, Here's some ideas on, on how, here's some skills to perfect that I think can help you out there. Um, so I, I'm hoping that it's helpful for our group, and uh, that's kind of the way I see. Uh, I can, you know, I can tell. I know how this coach is thinking. I played with him. We, yeah, we've been, to, we've gone out to dinner plenty of times. I know, you know, I know how he thinks. I know how, I know what the Europeans think. I know the laws of what they're supposed to do in this situation. I know what they've been taught and told to do in this situation. So I think hopefully that insight gives them the help they need yeah. you know, for our, for our boys to, to to get a medal. So yeah, and it seems like there's that that broad spectrum of coaching. You know, you have uh, coaches who have sort of walked the walk and talked the talk, like yourself. You know, Olympian. You know, played at a high level in college and high school, and then you have people who are like just trying to just in in love with coaching and mentoring young kids, and you know. I think they both equally have value, but it must be, you know, it's got to be slightly intimidating for someone who has not been an Olympian to go into that situation and talk like as if you were an Olympian. There's got to be some sort of an edge that you have in terms of just being able to relate to them on that level. So that's got to be an advantage for you. You know, but the, the, the longer, sorry, the longer I've been doing this, the more I, I, believe that there there are people that want to learn and people that you know dust their tail on learning the nuances and um you know there's there's just good people people and there's bad people people i mean if you can if you can teach and they're willing to learn this you know a lot of the stuff is a brain science you know it's just a matter of taking some ideas and letting them um you know salt for a while and I think if anybody's thinking about it long enough, they can come to the conclusions, and then, and then it's just a matter. Of, then it's about being a teacher. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about we're not talking about in, you know these incredible notions that are just, that nobody can do it. But I think um, if you focus on the teaching and keep breaking things down and keep breaking things down and be okay spending time on 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 skills, and then I think you'll you'll get rewarded on that from, you know, coaching standpoint. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily, you know, um, you, know, you have to be an Olympian or whatever. There's tons of great coaches, uh, you know, that I see that aren't. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I just, I think it's like, I always like kind of compare it to like coaching, like in the NBA in the, in the back of my mind, I always think, man, this guy, there's no way this guy played at a high level basketball. It must be the the amount of confidence that some of the coaches have going in, just going like, I know what I'm talking about, you know, and I have the confidence right. to be able to teach you. I think that is something that we learn as we 
get older as coaches. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't happen yeah. year one. And there's a lot of like young coaches that listen to the podcast who kind of like are searching for, like you said earlier, their value, whether it's at a new school or like a new program or they're taking over for somebody, you know, we all kind of get yeah. thrust into coaching. You know, I think most coaches that I talk to, it's like, well, I kind of stumbled upon this opportunity and it turned into a career type thing, you know? So I settled, I settled. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I dropped the astronaut thing and I decided to become a coach. So, um, but, yeah, yeah. but I mean, like but, it, it's what we love to do. And, and I think, like you said, I mean, it, it is more about teaching and mentoring. And I think that's where we find the most enjoyment, you know? So, um, it must be really, content. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to... no, go ahead. Content. I mean, the great thing about, you know, getting old, <laughs> the internet and the what's out there and the ODP stuff that, I mean, the, the content's out there. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, if you didn't know and you were off on your own little island, you, there's no way you could find out, you know, what's going on. But you can watch every single European game from, you know, Lens Champions League. You can watch every game from European Championships. You can watch ODP videos over and over and over again. It's, it's, you can do it. It's yeah. right there. So, um the learning curve is definitely changing in terms yeah. of becoming a good coach for sure. So yeah. that, that kind of is a good segue in terms of um, things that you like and dislike with the sport currently. Like I said, you you're seeing it from all these different angles. Um, yeah. Specifically, I, I want to ask you before you kind of generally speak on what you like and don't like, but specifically you're going, you're going coaching two sets of rules right what do you think about first of all what do you think about the new rules that are that are going on right now internationally and do you think it would be to our benefit to apply these rules just across the board to every level high school and college uh yes i do um for we, we kind of have this conversation in our in our conference meeting and i think just for to avoid confusion, I think we should try to streamline as much as we can with uh, with FINA, um, just for the sake of well, first for the referees. You know, you hear them sometimes. Hey, I just came from a high school game, and then I did a club game, and now I'm in a college game. And, yeah. You know the uh, oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. So um, just to help streamline for the not only for the the referees but for the kids and also for the fans, um, and, and actually trying to stick with. It some rules for, for a little bit of a while um, because, we, you know, if you keep changing them, then, you know, people who are new to the sport, they're just like, well, hey, well, last year I thought this was that. And um, I mean, these rules are always open for interpretation. They, you know, once once teams, like national teams, started taking like 13, 17, five-meter foul shots a game, then the referees stopped calling fouls if it looked like the player was trying to do a five-meter shot because yeah. they felt that there was too many. So, um, you know, the interpretation of those rules are, are more than anything. And, you know, now I'm, like you said, going to my daughter's game and anything that's even close to inside water is an, immediately, an immediate penalty where you actually have to foul them for that to be a penalty. Yeah. So, and it's like anything, I think everyone takes a real strict interpretation when a rule first comes out because they want to show that they're implementing the rules. And then uh, it takes some time to kind of get back to well, it's what about flow? What about this? This is not, let's not go overboard on this. Um, let's get back to rewarding. Let's get back to position. Let's get back to some of those things. So 
I don't think the the new rules are going to mess with any of that too much. I like the inside water rule a lot because for 14 years I've been trying to get the ball to my center on the inside, and you know, a referee always says to me, "Oh, well, he was holding the ball, or I wasn't sure, or I thought he was going to shoot, or I thought she was going to shoot." But now it's it's pretty clear yeah. that you're going to reward that. Um, so I think it makes a referee's job a lot easier um, with that stuff. Um, but they're not, on the side. there's no talk. I mean, you mentioned that they were talking at your conference meeting about this, but there's no timetable that you know of, of them implementing this into the college game as of right now. Well, I think the rules committee is coming up here, uh, I want to say in May. And I think that would, I don't know if those go into effect right away, but I know they're on a two year cycle. Um, so we may have, you know, one year, um, going back to or I don't know I don't know how fast those rules get put in to to effect yeah, um, yeah. but I, you know if, if 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 we're doing it all summer it's club and uh, they're doing it all nationally um, some guys have already been playing it I know they've they've done it um, you know they started doing it last year too so um, shouldn't be too much of a you know it seems so counterproductive to have different rules for different levels and i mean i i just before i moved up here to to marin like i i coached at olu at the boys season and then that ended and i started coaching my son's 14 under boys team the first game in january there was like literally like 12 five meters called and it was like what the heck is going on i wish this was going on in high school um, right. It, it just seems so like so many hurdles and it, it would be so it would be so much better for, I think, everybody if we just like applied it all the way through. I, I, I guess a lot of people are confused as to why it's not. And maybe I mean, obviously, you probably don't have the answer, but I'm just sort of saying it. You know, why can't we just do the same rules for everything? You know? Well, yeah, I mean, well, to that, I mean, you can say. You know, we have the same rules, but in one college game, I'll have combined 27 ejections in a game, and the next one I'll have nine. And you're like, what? what, what what's going on here? You know? Yeah. Um, and granted, more games are more physical than other ones. And granted, you know, there's more going in one game than another, but there shouldn't be that um, much of a disparity between those types of numbers, you know? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's always, I mean, that's our sport, you know? Um, and that's and I think that's great for especially uh, you know kids being in a situation where you are not only playing a team sport but you also have no control over what the referees are doing and you have no control really what your teammates are doing and so it's, I mean what great greater life lessons is there to just kind of take it and get on with it and do what you got to do you know yeah yeah so I'm gonna like I said I kind of bounce around a little bit I want to jump back to you know, now where you are currently at Long Beach State. And, okay. um, you know, I know you and I have had some conversations over the course of the last, you know, however many years we run into each other on pool decks for, you know, whatever reason. Um, you know, and I think there's obviously going to be challenges at every school that you, that right. anyone coaches at, okay? Uh, facilities, location, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It, it, now that you've had time to really sort of obviously settle in, had a lot of success at Long Beach, 
Um, looking back, what would you say are like some of the top challenges that you've had over, you know, the last, you know, 14 years? And then what have been some of the great positives um, that you've had at Long Beach State? And I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot because I didn't put this in my, you know, pre-interview <laughs> questions, but I'm sure you've had some time to think about, you know, things like that. Well, I think, I think you kind of hit it on the head. I mean, every school's got their, you know, pluses and minuses. Um, and I guess as a coach, you have to figure out a way to um, harness your strengths and, and either downplay your, your weaknesses. And cause if you could, you, if you sit there and just complain about, um, you know, oh, I don't have this or all that, and oh, we only have one bathroom on deck and all this kind of stuff, you know, we got, we got 50 meters of pool. We got administration that supports us. Um, we get great kids. Um, all that is, is, is the day-to-day stuff. So, so, you know, obviously we're competitive. Obviously we want to win. I want to win a national championship and all that stuff. But I think the older I get, I, I really, really start enjoying, you know, the guys and the girls and the athletes, you know. Yeah. Um, what, you know, for, of course, when I first started, it was all about win, 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 and this and that. And, you know, we took some hits. You took some chances on some people. didn't work out. Um, you know, we had a rough spatch for a couple of years, but then um, – then uh, you know, then then you get guys like Dan Toulist and Zach Capos and um, you know Dmitri Lapos and some of these guys and you know 2014 we're you know we're a goal away from beating our third Pac-12 team in, in three days. Um, so well, that was pretty exciting weekend, uh, pretty exciting year. So it, it just you know guys from Ohio, the guys from Florida. You know, one smart Greek and a Greek Croatian goalkeeper, and, and you know Nick Rascone. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Yep, um, I was going to mention him. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you, you get a couple pieces, and, and they all end up being you know really good people, and then they're a whole lot of fun to coach, and um, and you know and that 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 was the that was really an eye opening or let's say a, a perspective year for me that uh, <clears throat> really enjoying what you're doing because the two three years before it was fun even when we weren't let's say winning every game or going through the ups and downs just you know watching guys love it grind and compete you know? yeah i mean during that time i, I mean i was sitting poolside on uh, 2014 i was doing the live stream for like all the games that weekend at long beach state i remember you guys played stanford in the final i believe right at long beach state yeah, yeah. and yeah. um you know do you do you ever like kind of kick yourself and go like, man, if the format was the way it was now, you would have gotten an invite to the to the to yeah. the tournament, right? And I mean, I'm yeah. I'm sure it's parts of all of us as coaches kind of go like, look, just get me to the dance, and you never know what could happen. Um, right. And that was like a Stanford went, and then I I want to say probably USC went, um, right. even though they got third or fourth uh, in the conference, right. so. You know, I, I, it kind of, the reason I bring that up is just because, you know, you kind of built up to that point, you get all the recruits that you want. And then obviously that stuff happens in cycles. And so you're probably starting to feel really good about, Hey, in the next year or two, you're that recruiting cycle happens again. And, and you get some players that maybe, you know, you have developed really well under you or, or maybe just a really top recruit that wants to be a 49er. I mean, yeah. that's what it seems like is happening right now at Long Beach state. I mean, it, it, but there was a time and, and 
I don't know how you feel about me bringing this up, but it, it, I'm sure you there was like this like these voices going on because Long Beach is such a unique community of aquatic, you know, aquatic background, and you kind yeah, of you, sure. you jump in there, and I remember you know you're you're really hardcore, you're really gung ho, like. Does it feel now that you're like have become really part of that community even more so, and like you're you've embraced Long Beach as like that aquatic community? Is that is that part of how you've evolved as a coach, or is that not even something you think about? No, absolutely. I mean, the the great thing about Long Beach is they, they know two things for sure: they know volleyball and they know, they know water polo. Yeah, I mean, you can you walk, you know, Tony Azevedo's. Everybody knows who he is here. Um, everyone knows who Matt Sagehorn is. People know who Art Tukovich is. People know who Long Beach, you know, Albert Garcia is. You know, I just ran into him the other day. Like, it is seriously a small town, and Waterfall IQ is, is there, you know. Um, so that makes it fun. I mean, it's, it's almost like, uh, I guess, kind of coaching football in Texas. It's that they love you or they hate you, you know. It's, uh, but you're on the radar for sure. Did you feel Uh, like you were like on some sort of like a hot seat at some point and you feel like you've turned that around or like, was that ever something you even thought about? Yeah. I mean, I think there was, there was a, a, you know, rough time back in the day. Um, You know, if you're not, you know, we had a couple guys quit and a couple guys this and um, you know, they, yeah, there was definitely a time. Yeah. Um, But I mean, I think that kind of stuff really, you mature and you understand a little bit more about what your job is. And, um, it's life lessons and definitely makes you a little tougher. Um, which is what I, what I learned at Cal as an athlete, what I learned in Europe as an athlete. And, and now as a, as a coach and, and human being, you, you learn that, uh, it's the way it is, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I'm a lot less sensitive than I used to be. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And do you could like I, I remember you know you were talking earlier about your time in Europe and how much that sort of shaped your your life I'm I'm assuming just your life as a man but also now uh, putting those lessons into your coaching I mean I'm sure like you have like a, you could write a book on on all the things all the experiences that you've you kind of encountered during that time but. Is there a couple of things that really stand out? Um, a couple of years that maybe you know playing overseas that just you look back on or remember, and you know those are like kind of the golden years. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, I think like anything, you know, situations where you're taking things that you know become part of you. When I when I first went to Spain in '97, they just won the gold medal, and my teammate was Salvador Gomez, and. I think he was on his third Olympics at that time, mm-hmm. but no second. And uh, playing with him, he was he was gold medalist, and we were kind of doing our thing. And if the game was tight uh, in the third quarter, once the fourth quarter came around, he just would go nuts and score like three or four goals. And and then after it was kind of like a mic drop, like this, this is how you do it, kind of a rookie, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was already an Olympian, but it's my first year playing in Europe, so it was the first time being like a pro. Yeah, and. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot from him as far as how to close out games. Like this is doesn't matter what this these first three quarters done. We're just we're in a position to win the game and now and now we up it we up it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um and then and then when I went to play for Nikola Stomanic in Greece, um, that was completely um mind blowing experience. Um 
we trained probably not not joke no joke probably eight hours a day jeez and it was not only just okay let's be hard let's swim we swam 40 minutes a day but the rest of it was like like uh psychological training like fear and uh you know performance based and accountability and being not only just being an athlete but being a, a man and being a sportsman and uh, being a good teammate and and what it meant to be professional um a complete professional approach um and that was um that was tough it was a really tough year and uh you know if you see guys that played for for him you, it's almost like you're a veteran you like you survived i survived too like that was great you know it yeah. was kind of like a code it's almost like a marine code between guys that have played for him yeah yeah, uh, you hear similar things with the guys that played for Racco, you know, like in the in the interviews that I've done with those guys, it's like they all have yeah. like some bond that it's like you survived this like grueling yeah. thing, and you have that, but like on more of like a world stage, right? Yeah, I think I think with Nikola it was a little bit more. He got his psychological training through um, yelling at you, but he was so charismatic that. He would just—it was almost like having that dad that just—he just had to look at you and you jump through the roof. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I mean, Rack was amazing, and he—he he crushes it with that through swimming. Um, so I think there's a little bit of different, but it definitely has a similar result. Um, you know, Nico was very particular about uh, details on every part of the game, um, and if you were off on any of those details, it was—you know—you were. <laughs> you were castigated appropriately <laughs> yeah and I, I i'm always like just sort of i don't even know what the word is but i'm like i i love hearing the word professional and professionalism yeah, yeah. i think our sports sometimes um because of the attire and because of you know the weird game changes and time changes as you know now in age group um you know yeah. things change on on you know the night before sometimes new families look at it as like a lack of professionalism. Um, Like in terms of like advice for like another coach, like what thing or things would you implement in terms of quote unquote professionalism into now your program at Long Beach state that a high school coach or an up and coming college coach could implement um, that, that helped them sort of, keep everything accountable you know um i mean i think everything goes back to respect you know um you respect the game you respect the ball respect your caps um respect the time you know it's, it just it all goes back to respect and, and how much you care about your teammates how much do you care i mean you always have what's you know if you show up late what are you telling your teammates that that you don't care as much as they do or kind of thing you know just yeah anything that uh you know, is is something that can be an agent of divisiveness. Um, everyone's got to be. We, I mean, he would talk about how we're all. There's no difference between military and uh, in sport. The only difference is is that athletes are smarter. <laughs> so in the, in the military, everything is. Um, you just do the basic. You know, basic training is. You just expect to do one job, and if if if, if you mess up, people die. Kind yeah. Of thing, right. And, if we mess up, then we lose. But that's our, um, you know, that's our arena, if you will. Um, but I think that um, 
just the basic stuff. Like, I mean, you know, we, get, we talk about sport all the time as far as, you know, follow on Twitter, you follow these coaches or you follow it's, you may not win everything or you may not this, but at least your kids can walk away with going through an experience where, you know, they had to interact with human beings. They had to be disappointed. They had to come, you know, come back the next day to training after you lose or come back and play after you lose. I mean, these kind of ups and down lessons of kind of what I touched on earlier too, I think, I, you know, 12-year-old 12 girl going through it and parents complain about playing time or parents, I'm like, what are you talking about? She's, she's, she's expected to be somewhere. She's expected to be somewhere on time. And that's, if, if, that, if she gets that out of this, that's, that's amazing. She's yeah. already way ahead of, yeah. she's already way ahead of everybody else, you know? Yeah. Um, it's funny because I, I have to tell this story. Um, you know, I'm I'm hosting a tournament, and you're across the way from me, and I'm working the tables. It's that Friday night. I know you remember in December, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you're you're the most mild mannered, calm parent, you know, out there <laughs> on the pool deck. Meanwhile, there's like two parents about to go to blows over some <laughs> whatever call. You're right, and um, there were two parents about to fight. Yeah, <laughs> and and um, you know. It's interesting how becoming a parent obviously changes your perspective on what the priorities are. I mean, you know, if she's an Olympian, great. But, you know, if she's a 4.0, even better. Right. I mean, so like our priorities have shifted. And do you feel like that your coaching like mentality and like your maybe I don't want to say aggressiveness, but like that sort of like hyper on edge type gavin arroyo coach is that kind of put to bed now are you more like methodical in in your approach or are you still really you know passionate in terms of like just like getting your your voice across as a coach yeah as As a coach as a a coach as a (laughs) a coach uh i you know i just i think it's there's a time and a place and i think there's always going to be times where you're on edge, you know, um, I've kind of found that it doesn't really help that much. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel like I always tell myself every year, like, okay, I'm really calm. You know, this in the last uh, couple of games <laughs> and then, uh, you know, something really a series of bad calls or something like that will set me off or something. But, um, but it, I, I, what I've, Try, or what I've noticed is that, you know, obviously the kids feed off of you. So um, if you're up complaining and, and jumping up and down, and, then they're going to take that on and say, well, you know, yeah, you're right. Some injustice is being done to us. So, and so they're in that mode instead of, you know, task completion mode. And yeah, um, I think my, your true job is to get them ready and then navigate through, you know, the ups and downs of those emotions of those big games. You know, um, I think, uh, I think that's the hope and, you know, so. And as you're, you know, so now we're, you're in the midst of like, you know, obviously recruiting and I would assume that, you know, Long Beach State always is at least even with anything else that you're doing in terms of, you know, the Olympic team and everything else. I know it's hard to balance all that, you know, wear different hats, but, um, you know, you're trying to win a national championship and I'm I'm always of the mentality that I think, you know, programs like yourself and, you know, the UOP and Pepperdine, like it's only a matter of time, you know, like that, you know, one of you guys, if not all of you guys are, are there. Um, 
Right. But as a player, you know, at Cal, you only lost 11 games total um, in your four years there. And I don't even know if you knew that stat, but I looked it up and that's what I found. That That's... <laughs> amazing you know like I mean I think anybody who hears that you know there's some similar stories like the modern day guys you know during that run Laguna Beach girls you know they had a, a huge run as well yeah. it, what can you say to somebody or a team athlete or coach about the mentality and fortitude it takes to have that sort of monkey on your back um, is there I know there's no like secret sauce, but there has to be something that you and your teammates are telling each other um, before those games. Uh, you know, I know that some of those games I would say are probably blowouts, but there are obviously conference games that are one goal games. What is the mentality that you like to pass on to your kid, your guys now and your girls now at Long Beach State that maybe mirrors that mentality? If there is one, well, I mean, I, I honestly think it's a process. I mean, if, if you really look closely at kind of these, um, it kind of happens in twos and threes. You see a lot of back to backs. You see, you know, uh, six six of NCAA championship run. You see, it, it, I think a combination of getting to a point where there's true belief that you can win, and then uh, once you win, then it's if you know if you're not losing a lot and your the talent stays at the same level, then it's um, then it's almost not an expectation, but the the luxury of these teams that get into the finals on a year to year basis, they're losing. Um, and let's say you're a freshman and you get into the finals and you lose. You're, you the next time you're there, it's not this completely foreign experience. Um, yeah. You know, um, Stanford. You know they won this year. They, you know, not taking away from SC, but they, you know, the year before it, there was at Stanford, and you know, the teams were probably comparable. And uh, Stanford just uh, was they hadn't been in that finals the previous year. You know, fast forward to the next year, then it was almost like, uh, you know, um, it was like almost expected. So now coming into next year, my the mentality of the Stanford guys is, well, not only do we expect to win, we've all been here before. It takes away a lot of that like first time jitters, you know. So I think that um, it takes uh, it takes a lot to knock off that team that's got that mental edge. And then once you do that, you usually win the next two or three. Um, it just takes a while to get those other te- teams or the team to believe that they can do it. And it's it can't be it can't be just uh, oh we're gonna win or hey, yeah we're gonna you know it's really got to be a true belief that okay even if we're down by three goals doesn't matter down by four goals it doesn't matter because we're gonna win. Yeah, and this is what we have to do to win. Like this is what we've done all the time. I not. I mean, Serbia does it great. Serbia can be down. They, you know, they they look a little bit rattled, but then they go on a three goal run, and then they're ahead, and then they lock it down, and then it's done. Like the 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 ability to be rattled is like zero. Yeah, it's a lot for them for them to get rattled, and I think that's getting to that point as a team or as a group. It, you have to go through a process to get there. It just doesn't happen overnight. It can. Um, but it's definitely not part of the organic process. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, just sort of if you look at the GCC as a whole, we're still in that beginning sort of stages. And now, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it almost seems like 
that expectation of, hey, we are in the final of this tournament every year. No, that's the goal. Like, that's one of the goals. It's almost coming to fruition a little bit for Long Beach now. Like, you are in the mix, even what may have been, you know, what, and I don't, I have no idea. So, seriously, correct me if I'm wrong, but what could have been a down <laughs> year right. ends up being a, you know, in the final year. You know what I mean? And it, that's part of the process you're talking about, right? Yeah. I mean, and there, there's, there's also the dynamic of, I mean, say a true championship team that gets there, expects to be there, handles their business. But they're also you also have to factor in, um, let's say, the team that, let's say we're playing pretty free and we don't have any expectations and the team that's favored has got to play, okay, well, I hope we don't mess this up kind of mentality. Yeah. And that mentality gets you to the fourth quarter and then the team that they truly believe that if, 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 the, if the underdog doesn't believe they truly can win, then the other team will find a way to, to win and then, uh, or vice versa. So that's the kind of hump that teams have to get over. So if you're if you're the favorite, you have to be the true favorite for, in order to win. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you got to be guys and girls got to be pretty mentally sound. So we have a couple. Just I have a couple more questions, if I could. Um, yeah. I, the first one is going to be about the upcoming uh, Olympic Games, and you know uh-huh. I know that. Rosters haven't been announced. I'm sure you guys have a, you know, head coach Dayon has a, a decent idea of, you know, who, who he wants on the roster. And you guys obviously have your input. Um, what could you say is uh, your expectation? You know, and I mean, obviously your expectation every year is to win a national championship, no matter how far fetched someone else may think that is, that's the goal. Just like for me, it's, it right. was to win CIF no matter what. Um, what right. is the mentality on the Olympic team? Um, you know, 96, 2000, now in 2020, you know, what do you, what do you expect to happen um, in this Olympic Games? I mean, it's a crazy tournament. It's, um, it's truly, a, you know, it's, us as players and coaches or whatever going through, you know, as a player, you're just like, this is the ultimate dream. This is the most amazing thing in the world. And um, you go to a tournament and lose one game by one goal, and then you're not even in the top four. You don't medal or, you know, um, dreams are crashed and broken and and or or dreams are fulfilled. Um, You know, hitting your stride in in those tournaments is always a tricky thing. Um, But on the the flip side, it's also an exciting thing where – there's a little March Madness in it, I think. Um, you know, the teams that are poised and the teams, I mean, everyone's human at that moment, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, And the, you know, the the exhilarating feeling of, of, you know, that opening sprint of that first game, you can't even feel your body. I mean, you're just so hyped and you're just, it's, it's, just, it's, a, it's another level out-of-body experience. Um, well, you're giving me chills just talking about. It. I'm like ready to to jump in here. No, that's that sounds <laughs> that sounds just like seriously surreal, like surreal. It is, it is, it is, and you know, and, and you have a hard time sleeping because you're so amped up, and um, and it's you know, we, our championships. You know, we talk about two or three game tournaments or this or that. I mean, we're talking about you know five games of all out war before you even get to the crossover game, the, the yeah. game that matters, it means everything. Like yeah. The, 
Um, so, you know, the way, the way you're, you know, obviously physically feeling, but also the mental hits that you've taken going to those first five games, where is that going to put you going into that crossover? And then um, talking post-crossover, it's, it's, it's everything and nothing. So it's, it's either we're still in it or it's, you know, we'll, we're not meddling, so now what? Um, we're just, you know, got a group of people who are su- super disappointed, and how do you rally from that? And that's it's hard to do. Yeah, um, yeah. But as far as this one coming up, I mean, you know, every, everyone's mortal. And, um, you know, Spain's coming on. Um, I think we're showing some good stuff. Um, Hungary, it's just eight teams. And whoever, you know, everyone's pretty pretty dang close. So. Yeah. It seems like, you know, and, and again, this is coming from no Olympic experience at all, but it seems like there is – Obviously, the advantage of having seasoned Olympians on one side on certain teams sure. that obviously has sure. plays an advantage, but there's got to be some excitement about just being like, "Hey, we don't know what to expect. If we catch fire at the right time, anything could kind of happen here." And if the country as a whole rallies behind the men and the women, then really sky could potentially be the limit. Because to me, it seems like. You know, the, the absolute raw talent is there. Um, and I think the thing that I hear over and over again is that, like, you know, these guys are playing in the third Olympics or they're 30 instead of 19 or 20 or 21. And so that becomes, you know, one of the, the touch points that a lot of people go back to. But at the end of the day, you know, you're taking the top players in the country um, and if right place, right time. I mean, there is a little bit of luck I would assume involved in all of this. So, um, I mean, obviously I will be hoping and cheering on team USA. So, and then after the Olympic games, you don't get much of a break. You go right into men's season. Um, how are you feeling about, you know, and, and I'm not trying to have you make a prediction. I just, you know, how are you feeling about, you know, next year's men's team and, um, I know you're in the middle of women's right now, and and um, I've been sort of following along as well. So, how how are you feeling about the program in general and where it is? Uh, about Long Beach State, or yeah, USA? about Long Beach State. Um, great. Um, I'm actually taking a sabbatical from the women's program this uh, this spring. Okay. Um, but they got they got a great uh, group. We got some good freshmen, and um, we're they're pretty solid, so I'm pretty excited about where that program's at. Um, you know, in the men, we lost uh, we lost two guys from last year's team, um, so we're trying to, uh, you know, see what we can do. Uh, getting pretty excited about what who we got to work with. Yeah. And um, so, so yeah, I mean, again, the sky's the limit. Um, everyone's strong. I mean, I think I think the league was pretty young this year in general, you know, except for a couple teams that were senior heavy. Um, but I, I'd expect if you followed last year's season, you're going to see a lot of the same faces. So, um, not too much has changed. Yeah. Well, that'd be good. I'm, I'm excited to see you guys try to make a run here and see if we can, uh, you know, try to achieve that dream. So I have literally two more questions. The first one is who you feel have you been your biggest influences in terms of your, your coaching career? Um, up to this point, lessons that you still go back to them and you can hear their voice? Um, that's, 
I mean, I mean, I guess Nikola uh, is always going to be the cornerstone of everything. That that's where the tree, I guess, started for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, funny one of my you know, Kyle cops said, I don't think you'd be coaching if you didn't play for him. I said, you're probably right. I think he just kind of broke the game down for me that in a way that made a lot of sense to me and um, taking that knowledge and bringing it over. I mean, you hear of the upslide that was from him. Serbians were doing that. And hmm. we brought that over with Sky Baker back in, you know, back in the days, way back. So yeah, um, <laughs> I did a camp at Bucknell and, and there were some girls from Wyoming and, and, uh, and I think they said they swam 300 yards, and then they did 30 minutes of upslide. So <laughs> I was pretty, I was pretty happy about that. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, technology changes, or you know, skill sets change, and there's a time to use it and not to use it. People are just using it whenever. Um, but um, so I think Nikola, and then you know, obviously working with Guy uh, back in 2005, um, his organizational skills are off the charts. Um, great mind for the sport. Um, he helped me a lot. Kyle Kopp um, helped a lot with just slowing down and going back and break it down. And you think you thought you broke it down enough, go back again. And um, you know, working with Dayon's been great too. Now um, his tactical mind is is off the charts. Hmm. Um, so I think it's just a matter of growth in here. I mean, if you pick up something as a player, and I know toward the end, towards the end of my playing career, there was you know you start thinking, well. That'll take, that I won't, this I don't like, this, you know, you start trying to put things in files as far in your brain, as far as uh, what works, doesn't work, how to act, how not to act, how to do this, you know. Yeah. What, you know, what, you know think like a player, I mean, part of you know, being a coach is, okay, as long time I was a player, but, you know, how to, you, especially in this day and age, you have to, you really have to take into consideration how they feel. <laughs> you know, I, I feel strongly about this and how I'm going to deliver that information is important is, I guess you don't you don't want to lose them, and you have to keep them hungry for more and inspire them, and um, by also getting getting the, the subject matter covered, you know. Yeah. No, I mean it sounds like um, you kind of touched on it, and I didn't want to cut you off, but you touched on it earlier in terms of just like becoming a teacher, you know, like really loving to teach what your yeah. what your subject matter is. Yeah, and I think not to go back in circles, but I think Nicola really started that this is how it's done and this is the step-by-step process I'm, you're going to teach it and you're going to spend this much time doing the basic and then now you're doing this and then by the end you you know you're going to graduate school so yeah yeah so. very cool so is there any advice you could give to a young coach starting out a coach that may be in a rut right now looking for some motivation anything at all that you can think of no, I think um, just work on your vision, and once you once you have your vision, then then it's easy. You know, if your idea of a, the perfect picture is is there, then you just work backwards. Um, you know, and if you, and if you're not enjoying it, it's it's going to get exposed at some point. Kids are smart. Kids feel the way you're feeling. They sense you're disinterested. They, you know, um, so I think just there's so much out there. Anybody can get to any level of coaching this point i really believe with uh, the subject matter out there play around with it copy ideas and then um have a couple of your own and let those grow and let those ideas ferment and you know think about it a lot look at it a lot there's so much video out there you know yeah um, and don't get so wrapped up into micromanaging your players and 
and plays and winning and okay, that, that stuff's going to come, but just keep thinking on, on your, on your picture and then, and then teach it. Yeah. That's great advice, man. Keeps you, sounds like that's like the long term, you know, like the, the 25 year plan, you know what I mean? As opposed to like the <laughs> one year plan, you know, like where you get burnt yeah. out and you're coaching 25 different groups, you know, which we've all, we've all been there. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, Gavin, I know this is a crazy time for you. I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the line and sharing your experience, your knowledge uh, to everybody in the water polo community. I would love to have you on uh, later on this year, you know, after the Olympic Games and everything else and sort of, you know, just sort of touch base again. Um, but again, thank you so much sure. and good luck with uh, the Olympics and then uh, with Long Beach State. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Steve. Appreciate it. I appreciate it, too.